Support for Everything Explained comes from the College of St. Rose in Albany, offering master's and certificate programs for working adults looking to advance or change their careers. Easily accessible to downtown and state offices, the College of St. Rose has served the Capital District since 1920. strose.edu slash grad programs to apply. If you live in New York State, you've seen the signs. Vote to elect, vote to re-elect, vote yes, vote no on the Constitutional Convention. But what is the Constitutional Convention? Election Day is Tuesday, November 7th, and on the ballot is a question that may raise more questions for voters. Whether to hold a state constitutional convention. Also known as the CONCON, Section 2 of Article 19 of the New York State Constitution requires that every 20 years the ballot question be proposed to voters. The state constitution, similar to the U.S. Constitution, establishes the structure of government for the state and details the basic rights of New York citizens. New York State has held nine CONCONs, the most recent being in 1967, which ended with the proposed changes being rejected by voters without a single county voting in favor. This year, voters will decide whether New York will hold a constitutional convention in 2019. A Siena College poll from October found that 44% of New Yorkers say they will vote in favor of a CONCON, but 39% say they would vote no. Today, Dr. Thomas Keck joins us to talk CONCON and the issues that makes this question so divisive. Keck is the Michael O. Sawyer Chair of Constitutional Law and Politics and Professor of Political Science at Syracuse University's Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs. We spoke with Dr. Keck about the impending vote on the New York State ballot that could lead to changes to the state's constitution. Just to start off, one question. What is a constitutional convention? <laughs> sure. So a constitutional convention is an assembly of uh, delegates tasked with drafting either amendments to an existing constitution or a proposed new constitution. And in the United States, uh, this can happen in theory at either the state or the federal level, right? So we have a federal constitution of the United States, but each of the 50 states has its own constitution, uh, and each state constitution has its own rules and procedures regarding when and how it can be amended or replaced. So why does the New York state constitution give us the chance to change the fundamental document upon which state government sits? Well, there's two ways to think about it, right? On the one hand, if you think of the constitution being the most, you know, the most fundamental part of our law, right? So at the state level, the New York State Constitution is our fundamental law. And since it's a democratic system, it should be the case that the people get to weigh in with some regularity on what the contents of that fundamental law are. Thomas Jefferson had a famous quote where he said um, that constitutions should be revised and replaced every generation, right? Because yeah. new, what old... old past dead generations, right, have no legitimate right to govern our current generation, so we should start over every generation or so. On the other hand, uh, that quote from Jefferson is often criticized because at the federal level, of course, we have the world's uh, longest-lasting, most stable democratic constitution, 
which presumably has some benefits as well, right? By not like starting over from scratch every generation, but instead uh, keeping and occasionally tweaking and building upon a, a, a longstanding fundamental law that, that might provide some degree of stability and, and security to the government um, that, that you would potentially lose if you're constantly changing it. Now let's get to the meat of the topic. There are some big proponents and big opposition to a con-con. Uh, there are many groups of people that can benefit from a change and also many groups that will have something to lose with a change. Can you give us a sense as some of the benefits or as well as some of the detriments to approving a constitutional convention? So one thing, just a preliminary point, is that we don't know for sure who will benefit or who will be harmed, right? If mm -hmm. If the voters next month approve the constitutional convention ballot initiative, then uh, a, a year later, there will be elections statewide to elect delegates to the constitutional convention. Um, those delegates will then assemble in Albany and uh, go about their business of drafting proposed amendments or even drafting a, a full new constitution if they choose. Um, and then any proposed changes that they come up with would then be voted on by the state's voters again. Right. So we don't know the outcomes of that process. Um, however, there, as you say, there are some groups um, that have uh, some some hopes or some fears about what would come out of that process. And so I can say a little bit about that. Hmm. Um, so the League of Women Voters, for example, has been supporting the Constitutional Convention. Um, I spoke with a couple of their representatives uh, just last weekend at a community event. Um, and if you think about that organization, the League of Women Voters is well known for advocating democracy reform, right? We should be making it easier for people to vote and for their votes to be counted fairly and accurately and the like. Um, and New York's election laws are terrible as far as the League of Women Voters is concerned, right? They're a backwater. We have one of the lowest voter turnout rates in the country. Um, voter registration rules are onerous. Deadlines are too early. Um, uh, there's there, there's all kinds of ways in which our electoral process could be improved, right? And so a constitutional convention is an opportunity from the League of Women Voters perspective to help uh, win some of those changes, right? Reforming the way our democratic process operates and, and making some changes for the better. Now, the League of Women Voters as an organization is not committed to any position on say, labor pensions or public school funding or environmental conservation. I'm sure many members of the League of Women Voters might care about some of those issues, but as an organization, those are not the issues that it's, that it's dedicated to fighting for. And so if you talk to labor unions or public school teachers or um, uh, advocates for defending the Adirondacks from development, Right. Uh, uh, many of those organizations and those folks are, are very much opposed to the proposed ballot initiative because they fear that the downside risks are greater than the potential upside benefits. Right. Again, we don't know what would happen. And if the ballot measure is approved, all of those groups would get out there and start organizing right away to try to uh, elect like minded delegates who would help uh, preserve the Adirondacks from development. But but there's a fear I mean, I think it's an understandable fear that the procedures by which the Constitutional Convention would be elected um, would work in similar fashion to the way our current state legislature is elected. And there's good reason to fear that an influx of corporate cash, right, um, and, you know, misleading advertising and the like 
would would lead to a set of delegates uh, who um, propose changes that are threatening to union pensions and to public school funding and to preservation of the environment. Now, if it were approved, what would the process look like for establishing a CONCON? It wouldn't start until technically spring of 2019? Right. So the election would be held um, in the fall of uh, 2018, and most of the delegates to the convention would be elected from existing state Senate districts, um, which is one of the reasons some folks are concerned about the process. Um, the state's existing state Senate districts are heavily gerrymandered uh, in favor of the Republican Party. So it's a majority Democratic state, but the Republican Party has long controlled the state Senate, partly due to gerrymandering. And so those are the districts from which delegates would be elected. So that's one reason people are concerned. But then once once the delegates are elected, as I understand it, it's more or less up to them to decide how to proceed, right? They're provided with salaries and a budget to hire some staff and the like, and they get to set their own agenda. They can elect leadership to help guide the proceedings. They can decide whether to focus on a couple specific amendments or whether to focus on trying to rewrite the whole thing, and they could proceed in whatever fashion that they democratically agree upon. So there's not a lot of detail available as to how that process would unfold. And New York has not had a state constitutional convention since 1967. So how are are the delegates determined? There's three per Senate district, correct? Correct. And then there's some at-large delegates who are elected statewide as well. Okay. So considering how the delegates are determined using the state Senate districts, in the current case of New York, which is it, it has a Democratic majority, but due to a group of breakaway Democrats, it actually embraces more Republican conservative values. Would it be wrong to assume that the state might embrace more conservative values at a constitutional convention? I think it would be wrong to assume it, but it is a possible outcome, right? So there's, yeah. with regard to partisan control of the New York State Senate, there's two complicating issues at the moment, right? One of which you just mentioned and one of which I just mentioned, right? So one is that the districts have long been drawn in such a way as to um, uh, favor Republican Party interests, right? The Assembly has always been controlled by Democrats. The Senate has always been controlled by Republicans. And every 10 years when the legislature redraws the districts, they've done it in such a way as to help preserve um, each of those parties' control of their respective institution. The other issue is that in recent years, there have actually been several occasions, including right now, in which a majority of the sitting members of the state Senate were elected as Democrats. But currently, eight of those elected Democrats um, form a separate caucus, which they call the Independent Democratic Conference, um, and they vote uh, to support Republican leadership of the chamber. So they are elected as Democrats, but they vote in favor in the, you know, the first vote that's conducted in each session of the legislature is who's in charge, right, who's going to be the leader of the House. Um, And they vote for the Republican uh, leader, which then gives the Republican Party the authority to, to set the agenda. So even if there are things on which there might be, if there are policy proposals on which there might be majority support in the state Senate, if the Republican Party doesn't allow them to come to the floor for a vote, um, then they never see the light of day. So those two things taken together raise concerns about what the composition of the Constitutional Convention would be like. It has historically been the case that many sitting state legislators have themselves run 
to be delegates. They, they have been candidates to be delegates to constitutional conventions, and so I think we could expect that to be the case again. But anybody's allowed to run, right? Anybody's allowed to declare a candidacy, and there's some procedures. You have to collect signatures and the like to, to get on the ballot. And the outcome of the election is uncertain. I, I think if the if the measure passes next month and, and if we're going forward with a constitutional convention, I think we can expect to see lots of corporate and special interest money coming in to try to influence the delegate races. But I think we can also expect to see lots of grassroots mobilization on the left, right? I mean, throughout the state, in response to the IDC and in response to Donald Trump's election in November 2016, um, in New York, as in much of the country, there, there's been sort of outpouring of uh, grassroots organizing on the left, and uh, including lots of first-time candidates for office. Here locally in Syracuse, there's first-time candidates for office at the city, county, state, and uh, federal level who, I'm, who I know of. And so I think some of those folks might throw their hat in the ring and decide to run uh, for the Constitutional Convention as well. So the outcome is uncertain, but, but there are reasons. If, 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 if you represent a group of people whose interests could be significantly threatened by fundamental changes to the Constitution, then there are good reasons to be fearful, but, but the outcome itself is uncertain. Backing up a little bit, as you said earlier that the last Constitutional Convention was held in 1967, has there ever been historically a fundamental change to the document that we now hold as normal in New York State? Yes. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what normal means, but <laughs> but, um, but yes, that one of the things that distinguishes state constitutions in general from the federal constitution is that state constitutions are much easier to amend. At the federal level, we've never had another constitutional convention since the original one in 1787 that wrote the document, and we've only amended the document 27 times in more than 200 years. Uh, but at the state level, constitutions are amended constantly. They, um, they tend to be much longer and much more detailed than the federal constitution. They include lots of more specific provisions. Sometimes people make fun of these provisions, right? Why is there something in the state constitution about the operation of ski lifts or whatever it might be. Um, uh, but, but so they're longer and they're more detailed and they're changed more frequently. And so, um, there have been, uh, uh, there have been lots of occasions, um, in the state's constitutional history in which fundamental changes have been made. Um, and, and, and many of those changes were for the better and many of them are now fully accepted parts of the state constitution. Do you think we would see any of the Constitutional Convention uh, proponents say the Constitutional Convention vote fails? Would we see more amendments towards the Constitution come forward? Perhaps, right? So there, there are there. You don't need a Constitutional Convention in order to amend the Constitution, and uh, the legislature can propose amendments any time. And the fact that there's a, you know. Um, there's a vigorous statewide debate going on right now, although I'm not sure how, how much ordinary voters are aware of the debate, but amongst folks who are paying close attention, there's an ongoing debate about should we have a constitutional convention or not. And if you, particularly if you're a member of an organization such as the League of Women Voters that believes that there are some fundamental changes to our state constitution that are needed, and if this year's debate is calling more attention to those needs, then one could certainly imagine those folks then trying to follow up. Oh, the Constitutional Convention proposal failed, but we still really need these changes. Let's try to build on this momentum and let's try to persuade the state legislature. 
to move forward with our proposals. So, so we certainly we certainly could see that. All right, Professor Keck, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Everything Explained is produced by WAMC, Northeast Public Radio, with assistance from Kristen Gilbert, Ashley Kinsey, Jim Lavoulis, and Liz Hill. Also, we'd like to give a special thanks to Dr. Thomas Keck for coming on the program. I'm your host, Patrick Garrett. As always, we want to remind you to subscribe and leave a review, because like everyone else in the pod realm will tell you, it helps us to make more podcasts like this one. Thank you.